and welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts, the show about how everything is posting. As always, my name is Hussein. My name is Phoebe. Uh, and we, you know what? You actually know, Sid, we don't really do film episodes on the free, on the free one. We thought we would uh, change it up this week, um, partly to say we have lots of good bonus content on other films on our Patreon, five bucks a month helps us do the show, helps us to run it uh, independently without ads. And it also means that we get to talk um, and do film criticism without people getting mad at us, which is the most important thing. Um, but yeah, we're doing, we're doing a film episode this time. Uh, there was a Netflix film that came up a few weeks ago. It was called Accused. Um, it is not related to the BBC drama Accused. I know I don't know whether you ever watched that when it came out. No. It was pretty good. I, I, I enjoy, I mean, from what I remember, it came out a long time ago, but I thought there were these, there were these like dramatic kind of like, uh, is like an anthology of stories. Uh, Sean Bean was in one of them and it was pretty, and, uh, well, yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty good. It was, it's not related to any of that though. So don't, there's no connection to it. Accused is, accused is, um, how would I describe it? It's about a guy having what seems to be like the worst day of his life or the worst night of mm-hmm. his life. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also about pylons and it's about, um, you know, it's about like social media, uh, you kind of doing uh, vigilant, like vigilante, uh, vigilantism, which uh, is a fairly common uh, thing that we talk about on this show. Um, the story is fairly simple. We'll go into that into a se- in, in a second. But before that, um, I went to ask Phoebe, what did you think of this film um, as I was the one who recommended it for this episode. I um I thought there were, I thought there were I thought there were good bits and bad bits. I thought the um I thought the tension was um was done re- was done really well. Mm. And as we will as we will get into, I actually think that when it starts to get more horror filmy is when it sort of becomes less successful. Yeah. Yes. Um so I'm not as as we can we can um we can attest from listening to me talk about any film ever. I am not, I am not a horror fan. It is not, that is not, that is not my, that is not my genre. I don't, I don't like it. And, uh, the, and the more that people are like, Oh no, 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 but this is good. This is elevated horror. That doesn't make, that doesn't make my life any. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so, any, well number one, easier. sorry. I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't care if it's elevated horror. I still, I still don't want to, I still don't want to see it. It's just not, it's just not my vibe. Not everything is for everyone. It's fine. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily call this a horror. I I think there are there's there are some there are definitely some horror elements to it, but very unusually for me that that, that was not what I found it found um, alarming or distressing towards, which is the kind of the horror bits towards the end. What I found, um, what, what what sort of gave me the creeps were was the kind of the slow build up of tension. I think they actually made a mistake in going down a kind of more uh, traditional horror route but I thought the direction was really good I thought the cinematography was good I thought the acting was really good mm. um actually sorry I thought some of the acting was really good um <laughs> I I really I really liked the establishment of the relationship between the main character and his parents and I thought it was a real shame that that wasn't a more significant part of it it's really only kind of five ten minutes at the beginning yeah um but that i think i think that is done really beautifully there's this great there's this great kind of back and forth conversation where they're like teasing him about his girlfriend and then the mum says well we don't know that we don't know that this is his girlfriend it might be with his fr- it might be his friend with benefits 
Um, and he's sort of saying like, how do you even know about this, mum? And and there's a sort of bit of kind of back and forth. Um, and I think that, and I thought that was, and I thought that was really, I thought that was really nice. And mm. I actually thought that that's something which would have made a more hard hitting and upsetting drama if that relationship had been had been kind of further explored because it was it would have more sort of set him in his context and there are there are other again other decisions that um that they made which I think I think stands some digging into but on the whole on the whole I found like I found it quite a stressful watch so that means that it like definitely fulfilled at least like one of its goals like it's not supposed to be it's not supposed to be particularly enjoyable. It's a film that stresses um, you out. Yeah. It's a film that's, it's a film to stress you out. Like it's not supposed to be like something to kind of, something to kind of watch sort yeah. of co- sort of cozily, not cozily now it's autumn. Um, and I, I also thought, and I'm interested in what you think about this. I also thought that some of the commentary about, um, about the kind of the amplifying effects of, um, of be, of being online I thought were really really good and really 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 accurate and then some of them were accurate but not quite now yeah no I so I, I think I know what you mean by this because I feel um, like I had similar sentiment so um so yeah so should we just should we just uh give a kind of brief sort of overview yeah of the film and then and then dig in yeah okay so um so some context first uh the reason why I thought this would be a good watch, it was in part because <clears throat> uh, it was directed by uh, Philip Philip Barantini, um, mm-hmm. and Philip Barantini, uh, the last project that he worked on was Boiling Point, which was uh, which is very good, uh, another very good short film about a restaurant in Dawson, um, and just like it kind of goes through this like you know one day in the life of this very high this very busy kitchen and the sort of like social economic dynamics of running that. Um, really, I, I thought, I think we both really liked that. Um, mm. and there's a similar kind of pacing, I think with this one, but before we get into that, a very, very brief synopsis. So we are introduced to a character called, um, Harry, uh, Harry lives in London. Um, but he is traveling back home. Uh, and I, and this is sort of where you sort of talk about, you know, his sort of, sort of relationship with his parents, his, his parents like, live somewhere in the countryside, um, and then when he's home, so I, I so this, so I, I, I watch this in two parts. So you're gonna have to like, uh, help me with this. Cause like this, the center of this story revolves around a terrorist attack that happens on mm-hmm. London in the London underground. And mm-hmm. how, like Harry reads this, I believe on his phone and his, uh, or they find the person who like is supposed to be the perpetrator of this attack. Um, while Harry is like at his parents' house in the countryside, his girlfriend sends him this image saying that, oh, this like looks like you. Um, and the picture that they use, uh, is kind of, I mean, the, the guy's face is covered, but it's kind of, you know, it's just like a puffer jacket, black jeans, a hat, and like the sort of vague beard that every sort of like middle age or not like young to middle-aged brown guy has right i don't know how to describe it other than like oh this looks like you because you have the same beard style um Mm. so he finds it funny to begin with but then as he's kind of looking as he like then goes online um and people are trying to sort of like find the identity of uh the person who attacked or the person who carried out this attack someone who i believe went to school with him um Mm. 
says that, oh, this kind of, I think I know who it is. And that's how his name is then sort of pushed onto the world. Um, Harry kind of freaks out about this, but doesn't see it necessarily as like a huge deal. But over time, like suddenly his name starts trending and he gets like really, really freaked out by this. You know, people are sort of scouring through his social media. They send him like, you know, threatening messages. Um, and then he receives them and then he kind of sees some messages that sort of dox him. Like they find his address and people being like, you know, I'm going to kill, you know, let's go kill him and so on. Um, he's really, really freaking out. And this is sort of where the tension then kind of builds up because like he's hearing these sounds and he's not really sure if there are people there or people who aren't there. Um, midway through the film, around about the midway point are the first time the vigilante sort of show up at his house. And that sort of begins this thing where he's trying to avoid like basically being murdered by them. He runs to, uh, and bearing in mind he's in the countryside, so a lot of this running takes place in the woods, in the dark. Um, he ends up getting to like a neighbor's house who is this like seemingly very, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say she comes across as a nice woman, but like just seemingly kind of, you know, a woman who wouldn't necessarily be in tune of what's going on right now. Uh, and this woman who he places a lot of trust in then turns on him, uh, mm. which then leads to another series of attacks because obviously there are people hiding in the woods going for him. So I think he takes on like in different stages, he takes on like three people, um, and he and and I think he kills like all of them, or he kills at least one of them. Um, he, he kills he kills two of them. He kills two of them. He, yeah. He he definitely kills one of them. Um, and he leaves the and he leaves the other one. Yeah. Um, almost certainly, almost so, certainly to die. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't kill the neighbor. No, he doesn't kill the neighbor. As you get to the end of the film, there's this third killer who like um, it almost is kind of like chases him back up to his family treehouse. And then as that killer is about to sort of like land the final blow on him, he falls through the treehouse and ends up in a, I, I don't know what happens to him because I didn't know whether he broke his leg, but then there's an image of him lying on the no, ground with like a knife him, in he his impales back. Him, no, he impales himself on a splinter. Ah, on a, on okay. On a kind of splintered bit of wood. Um, right. Okay. So this, this is a case of that, me needing to brighten up my screen then. All right. Sure. <laughs> I was like, what? Was, I was it, like, what? It, it, what? Yeah. Okay. That, like that, that, it, that is another thing. I think this is one of the, one of the things that the director likes um, because it, it is really, really dark. It's yeah. really, really difficult to, to, to see what was going on. Um, they also, yeah. and this is like, this is like, this is a little really worth point. This is really worth pointing out that it's kind of, it's a sort of, it's a mixture of subtle and hugely unsubtle narrative decisions, this film. And right. one of the hugely unsubtle narrative decisions is we are aware of the treehouse and the fact that the treehouse is going to shit right from the beginning of the film. We have these lingering shots on the treehouse. We have the mum saying, "Why don't you tear down that treehouse?" I think it's Chekhov's treehouse. It's Chekhov's treehouse. One of if your if your treehouse hasn't impaled someone by the third <laughs> act, it shouldn't be there in the first right. act. His mother says, "You need to bring take down that that treehouse. The treehouse is." Um, the treehouse is a death trap. She says it's a death trap. And you're mm. like, yeah, I wonder if the treehouse is going to come up again, but it won't. Also, I just remembered something. Um, just, uh, just so you're aware, in case you are planning on watching this film, first of all, spoilers, obviously, because we're, we're, dis we're discussing it in detail. And second, um, the dog is killed by the vigilantes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I forgot about that. And like you don't, 
you don't see it. You don't see it. You don't hear it. You just see the dog lying dead on the floor. That happens about 50 minutes in. So if that's something that you really can't take seeing, then I would just suggest giving giving the film the whole film a miss because like I'm not even a particular dog person and I wasn't that happy about it. Because it's an it's a really it's a nice dog. I don't think um, these people would have killed the dog though. I feel like yeah, I don't understand why well, the they dog were... was the dog the dog well the dog was barking. Right, okay. Um so that so so maybe that's why maybe I'm I don't know if they, they planned to um be there. Uh, they planned to 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 kill the dog, or if they even knew that there was a dog there. Um, now, okay, when his girlfriend finds out that this bloke looks like her boyfriend, and she me- sends him a message saying, "Oh, he looks just like you," and like you said, you can't see his face. All you mm. can see is his hat. That's supposed to be the identifier that they're wearing the same hat. And so, this picture from his socials go all the way, all the way round. Uh, around the internet of him wearing this hat and her first like it none of, none of the things that the girlfriend does in this film make any sense because first of all if it was just the top of someone's head you wouldn't say oh well that looks just like my boyfriend ha 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 look he looks just like you and it is him that doesn't think it's funny it's him that says that people died like what what are you you shouldn't be you shouldn't be making jokes about this this happened this happened yesterday Mm. And then when her name gets added to it and um, their flat gets broken into and vandalized and you don't know and you don't know whether or not she was there or she's gone to stay somewhere else or she's been sort of driven out of her home. But she she calls him and she says uh, and she says, like, I just, you know, I just don't know. I just don't know what to think. Do you know what's happening down down here? And it, this is a really, really strange reaction. Because, and she also says that she's not going to go over there to to see him, which is completely bizarre. Because if both you and your partner were um ha- were having their pictures kind of you know plastered everywhere online, surely mm. if one of them had access to a house in the middle of the countryside that you could go and hide out in until it blew over, surely you'd go there. And they strongly suggest that she thinks that there's a possibility that he did it. Now, if a, if she cares about him so little and trusts him so little that she thinks this, mm. then what? On, then why on earth do they get back together at the end? I wouldn't forgive someone who was like, oh, well, you know what? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe this was her. Um, but also, it doesn't make any sense because it's her that points out the, the resemblance in the first place and is kind of joking around about it. So mm. why would she suddenly then go to, oh, well, now everyone else is saying it. I think there's a possibility that it was you. What? What? No, that's and like maybe she's trying to keep herself safe. But then mm. why not go to the countryside to see him if she's trying to keep herself safe? Because she doesn't know that, that they're being that they're being hunted that they're being hunted there as well. So that is odd. That's an odd piece of narrative decision making. There is another piece of odd narrative decision making, which again interested to know what you think about it they don't say specifically that he is not meant to be muslim but i don't think that he is no well his surname doesn't his strike sur- me he doesn't have yeah. he doesn't have a muslim surname his father is called ramesh which is a which is a hindu name mm. um and i couldn't help but think that that was a slightly cowardly decision because that because if he's not muslim that shifts it 
from you can't just accuse some innocent Muslim blo- bloke of doing this horrible thing to it wouldn't have been not okay, but a bit more understandable if he had been. This is very much a kind of a, yeah. oh, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm the good kind of brown guy. Yeah. Well, because, and this you is know, sort of where- You know what I mean? I totally get it. And I think it's kind of, you know, it is, I think that was sort of what stood out to me as being- a little bit like kind of strange in terms of narrow and it, and it's I can sort of understand what they were trying, but it's not to say that it was necessarily executed successfully because if yeah. the story if, if the movie is or if the film is like he's been accused of like carrying out this attack because of what he because he just like has this resemblance right and then the moment yeah. someone puts a name to that resemblance that's when all hell breaks loose because like mm-hmm. you know there's no reasoning once they sort of have an idea that this is kind of why you've done it but like. I don't know. I like this was think watching this film and obviously thinking back to when I've covered like, you know, post attacks and stuff in like, you know, professional journalism um, environments. You know, one of the things that is very evident is, and you know, you, you notice this, especially when attacks occur and it, you know, in the time that you're waiting for the police to sort of release a statement, this type of like phenomena takes place. Um, but like, the religious identity of someone is really fundamental to like how they are scapegoated. Right. Yeah. You know, like it, it's not primarily, you know, it's not to sort of say that like racial identity, um, doesn't sort of play a part in that sort of process of dehumanization, but so, but like the religious kind of aspect, the religious identity aspect of that kind of goes with that too. And so to me, yeah. it was like this case of like, You've sort of got it, but not really. And mm. like, if you're making the point that, oh, anyone can be accused of this type of stuff and like, yeah, but also then why no. Not, then, then why, yeah. And then also then why not just make him Muslim? That, right. If, if, the, if your point is, and if, if your point is yeah. that anyone can be accused, even an innocent person, yeah. then, why not, then why not just make him Muslim as well? Because the, pro- yeah, I mean, the process of dehumanization comes in part because of their, like, you know, the moment it's yeah. like, oh, this person has a Muslim background, then, or they have like a particular kind of background, because this doesn't just apply to like Muslim people at all. You know, yeah. I feel, you know, you see that, you see this quite a lot, especially when it comes to trans people. Where it's just like the mm-hmm. virtue of their identity means that you are given, you know, to some people, like you are given license to dehumanize them. Right. And so this yeah, would have been a no, lot no, no. more. This is, absolutely, this is absolutely right. As far as I know, um, this is a this is a white team. So it's entirely possible that they are just thinking about it and sort of quite a sort of self-congratulatory, like kind of, yeah, like what you just assume that every brown guy is a bomber, like what the fuck? And it's like, yeah, okay, but you maybe you haven't thought about it with the <laughs> kind of uh, with the with the extra kind of layers of n- nuance, um, or being more generous and more charitable, um, it's about the need for uh, solidarity against mm. uh, against against the far right because the far right are not going to make any distinction. So there's no point in you cutting around being like, yeah, but like I am not the I'm not the kind of brown person that you should be afraid of. I'm the good kind because they're not going to be making that distinction. And in fact, the vigilantes do not make that distinction. And they repeatedly refer to him as a Muslim. And they also re- repeatedly refer to him using the, using the peace law. Mm. So I'm wondering whether they were thinking more of, uh, say, for example, in, uh, in the US in the months after, ni- in months after 9-11, where anybody 
anybody kind of sort of brown or Middle Eastern was yeah. under suspicion, sort of sort of regardless of whether or not they were Muslim. And there was that horrible story of um the of the Sikh guy who was who was mm. murdered, like in the like in the month after. Yeah. So so there's a possibility that that's the kind of the line that they're taking, which is don't think that you're don't think that you're safe just because you are just because you're distancing yourself mm. um because uh, that distinction is not going to be made or as is more likely i think that they probably just didn't think about it that much and um when it comes to the name i'm sort of wondering a little bit whether they did the thing that um that people do where they like google like indian names and then they <laughs> like pick the, the third name down <laughs> because you can't do well, the you can't pick the first name because that's bait. So you have to so so you go for the third. And I'm wondering if that's what Basvar is. Okay, so so perhaps like some credit, and I don't know whether this is warranted or not. But there is a scene at like the beginning, near the beginning of the film, when his girlfriend sends him the image, and he kind of finds he sort of finds it a little bit funny. And there is that sort of moment where he's kind of you know he's at home on his own, he's just relaxing. And like, there is this impression that like, you know, yeah, like nothing's going to happen to him. Right. Because, and I, and it's never really met. The thing is like, this would have been a lot better if it was mentioned. Um, you know, maybe he doesn't think anything's going to happen to him because like, well, in these types of situations, it is, you know, Muslim people that tend to be the targets. And if he's not Muslim yeah. and sort of, you know, doesn't kind of, you know, there's that thing, there's a, there's that scene in the beginning where he's with his parents and they're drinking wine and they're talking about, you know, um, friends of benefits and stuff. And I don't know whether that was supposed to imply that, okay, this is clearly like not a Muslim family for like, you know, lots of different reasons. Um, but that, I feel like that's really, that's really stretching. I thought that was, I thought that was supposed to indicate this is a nice, loving family and there's no reason mm. to think that he's, that he, that he's ever done anything wrong in his life because mm. look at his, Look at his lovely family. I mean, I, I do, I do, I do see what you mean. I think again, I think that the, I think that the the wine is potentially a, a bit of mm. a, a bit of a, re- a bit of a red herring, or not just a red herring. More just they just didn't think about it that much, and they wanted to show, and they wanted to show a nice, loving family having sort of quite a kind of sort of friendly bantering relationship. But I mean, looking looking it up, the um, the writers are to. Two lads called uh, Barnaby Bolton and James Cummings. Now, unless <laughs> right, okay. they're they're really using some serious "can we call you" names there, I th- I think that they're. I suspect that they are not diaspora people. Yeah. I well, no, I I, I, assu- I, I assume I assume I suspect. I assume not. Um, uh, my deepest deepest apologies if I am. If I'm incorrectly, if I'm incorrectly calling yeah. that, but that would be, but that would be my, but that would be my suggestion. I don't think that they were going in with the intention to say, oh no, no, you can sympathise with him because he's not Muslim. Mm. He's just, it's just a mistaken identity. They just assume that he is, so you can sympathise with him after all. But there is, I think, a subtext and an undertone which is that he would be a less sympathetic accused if mm. it just so happened that he was also muslim so i think so i think that was so i think that is a bit of an so i think that is a bit of an odd odd decision um yeah also there's a bit where his girlfriend says oh i don't know it's just all gone too far now and why wouldn't she have thought it 
gone all gone too far when people were plastering his name all over the internet? Why wouldn't she think it had gone too far when his own girlfriend is saying, oh, look, this guy looks just like you? So if we go mm-hmm. on to how his name starts trending, yeah, there's something that fell off to me in terms of periodization. Because the two things that I was thinking about the most is, this is a long time ago now, but do you remember when the Boston bomber was wrongly identified by Reddit? Yes, yeah. Um, and that was, you know, that, that, ruined, that ruined his life, that poor bloke. Um, and then into more kind of recent, more sort of recent times, actually how quickly in terms of the interest of people online, things fade out in kind of more recent years. So I'm thinking of the London Bridge attacks, mm. which I know few I know fewer I know fewer people were killed, but it's about the same. It's about this it's about I think it's about the same number. The London Bridge attacks in 2017. Yeah. And that even that was treated differently from other from 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 other attacks, I think, on social media. People were people got bored of posting about it quite quickly. Now admittedly, if somebody had hyped up saying I know who that guy was I I I was at school with him I know who Mm. that is there's something that felt like a slightly different more febrile atmosphere of what was supposed to be what was supposed to be Twitter um that everyone is kind of is sort of is sort of jumping onto this and everyone is um yeah sort of treating this like a kind Kind of of, yeah um, like like something which is of not just a, of like brief sort of day long interest, but of kind of endure of like enduring interest, and even the look at this guy, let's find him, seemed much more much more suited to people trying to find people in the background of a TikTok who they think mm. is being disrespectful to the TikToker. Yeah. Um, maybe that like like maybe I'm being unfair. They just seemed I, I, mm, there was just there was just something about the the trending name and the hashtag and the let's find him let's find his address which didn't make any sense to me when it was on normal people online normal people's mm. online and it made much more sense when we get the explanation of how the vigilantes find him so we move to a closed off siloed off part of the internet and we move to what is suggested to be a kind of far right forum. Yeah. And that's the bit that makes the more sense. And that's the bit I think that I found the most stressful and the most alarming because he's supposed to be just an ordinary bloke. He's not somebody who has any particular operational security. He's not somebody who um who immediately the second he the second he spots his name out there he he doesn't lock his account he only does it when it starts to trend and it doesn't mm. occur to him how incredibly easy he is to find and it shows the people on the forum um messaging back and forth and being like okay right fine well, let's easy let's find his family and this is before he's locked everything down and they find his family really easily and then it turns out that his mum and this is the bit that really <laughs> That that like really gave me gave me a fright. Mm. That his mum tags locations all over the shop, and yeah. that was the bit that was really kind of like, oh god, oh no, 
And that's why I think it would have been interesting to have more of the relationship with his family because it's actually, without realising it's his mum and dad that put mm. him in this situation because neither of them know how to keep themselves secure online. And I think that was the bit that seemed really, really vivid and really well done and really accurate. Um, mm. And so I, th- I, I just, I feel like they should have kept it all on that forum because I just, I just don't, I, I can't see it panning out that way. Um, partic- like particularly not, like particularly not on, not on Twitter because nobody says you can't just, you can't just like flag this guy. Like even, I think even recently on, on Twitter, there would be a sizable number of people saying like, what the hell kind of racist shit is this? What yeah. you can't just say, oh, what well, it's just some brown guy I went to school with, you can't even see his face. Like, of course not. Like, of course you can't do it. Of course you can't do that. And everyone just picks her up and runs with it. Nobody calls her a liar. Nobody calls her an attention seeker. Nobody asks for proof that they were at school together. <laughs> it just didn't it, I think that it was made more ineffective by how alarming and anxiety producing the scene with the forum is. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Cause like the, the sort of like Twitter bits were sort of, I could see, I could see what they were trying to get at in terms of, because I, I was thinking about this less in terms of terrorist attacks and much more on the sort of like main character tendency that doesn't really happen so much these days, but definitely did happen a lot more, not that long ago. Um, yeah. The ease of which someone can be made into a main character, the ease to which like someone who like has seemingly like, you know, who or who has like done something, you know, not necessarily wrong, but has done something like embarrassing or um, obsessing, like how easily their information can be found out. It seemed to sort of be like a little bit of a commentary on that without it sort of veering into, you know, the dangers of cancel culture and stuff, which is like what this yeah. could have easily done. And I'm glad that it didn't do that um, or it didn't sort of like, you know, touch on those things. Um, but it was, at the same time, it was very much just like, okay, well, Seemingly, people are very trusting of this one source who kind of says that, like, they know someone who kind of bears resemblance to yeah. you know, the guy. Considering that this is not, you know, his look is not necessarily like the most unique look in the world. Mm. Um, and I, you know, and I wonder whether that's sort of like a broader commentary on, like, okay, well, if people's biases are confirmed, then like it is extremely easy to kind of just say, "Yep, this is the person," and get, you know. Enough and and the the transition from Twitter to the forum is really interesting to me mm. because what it shows is that you don't really need you only need some people who have basically kind of confirmed that to be the truth to then be like to, to then feel vindicated, um, mm-hmm. and you know we think about like you know I don't know like you know all the fuck what's his name um you know I'm not going to mention his name just because just because I don't want to be in this situation. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, we've heard about like far right characters who do like keep lists of activists and people who they just generally don't like, and we don't know what information they have, but like, we probably know that they kind of have quite a lot of information. Um, it is something like quite scary to think about, you know, because you're not really sure, you know, if you're on the list, but I think the last time one of these lists got leaked, there were a lot of people on there who were like, well, I'm not an activist. Like. Why, like, I just post stuff. Why the fuck am I on this list? Right. And it yeah. turns out that, oh, they're just literally on this list because, like, they're trans. Like, that's literally, that's, that's it. Yeah. Um, and so we know that these people are there. And, you know, this, so I think one of the interesting things about this film is like, well, what if people, you know, what, what are the consequences of like keeping these sort of like 
you know, um, community like you know, surveillance documents, right? Because you only need yeah. one person to really act on them. And like, this is an interesting case of, well, what, and it's not a completely unfeasible case of, well, what happens if you have someone who like, you know, feels vindicated to carry out like this type of attack on someone and has the information and the means to do so? Um, you know, you end up in a situation where like a handful of vigilantes is all you need to kind of like basically ruin your life forever. Um, you know, and so that's kind of where like the strength I think comes in. Absolutely. And, and that's where I think it falls down a little because it can't quite decide what it's going, what it's trying to say. Is it, is it warning about the danger of pylons? Is it, um, a kind of media literacy think before you repost is it um is it a a homily against attention seeking and trying to kind of center yourself into um into a kind of horrible tragedy or is it um is it a kind of is it a is it a is it a warning shot about um about the digital sophistication of the far right because nothing because his house gets broken into and vandalized his flat in london gets broken into and vandalized off someone posting his address on twitter but things really, really kick off when they find where he is hiding um, on the on the far right forum, and they pick up that baton that's been kind of put down. And I suppose the point there is ordinary people getting involved in this don't realise the damage they're doing because they don't realise who could be seeing it. But I think they just need to make that point a little bit more clearly. There are some interesting bits where his first response is to call the police and that is i think quite interesting that he that it doesn't occur to him that the police would either sympathize with the people who are trying mm. to harm him or um or certainly would have no interest in protecting him and it's true the police are useless they are they are they are worse than useless they just say you know <laughs> i mean they don't say uh, well could you just not look at it which is what they normally say if people are trying to kind of report anything online but they do say, oh, well, you know, just don't answer the door. And he's like, oh, yeah, good. I've <laughs> that's, that's actually really good advice. I just won't, I just won't, answer, just won't answer the door. Mm. But as soon as he gets wrongly identified, that is when this kind of machine starts up. And that's when the escalation happens. So I think that it could have worked just as effectively for it just to be one person saying, oh, I think I went to school with this guy and then that being picked up immediately and we go straight to the forum because like I said, that was the thing I found most convincing and most effective. There's another interesting, and again, I'm not sure if this is quite intended. There's an interesting amount of pro-personal surveillance camera propaganda in this film. And I don't know if that's just to kind of create a kind of visually interesting shot or whether they, again, just really haven't thought it through because surely underlying the point of the point of this, of this film is you've got to kill the cop inside your head. It's Mm. not, but if it just so happens that you then get trapped in your house by a pair of, by a pair of lunatics with, with weapons, um, then what you need to do is you need to uh, keep an eye on them using your um, using your Amazon Ring camera um, TM, and which is what he does. He's like like edging around the house with his mm. phone with like the different cameras. 
so there's sort of no there's sort of no no criticism of of this kind of sort of thought sort of sort of unthought through surveillance at a kind of local and individual level and whether or not i mean because it is it does keep him safe it's what keeps him safe it's what what it's how he keeps an eye on the intruders but whether this is supposed to be a kind of script flip where what these cameras normally get used for is homeowners using it to report anybody who they think looks suspicious so in the normal run of things it would be him who is being reported Mm. for being on somebody else's ring camera but he manages to sort of turn it to his advantage um i think yeah i think that was a, i think that was that was something which could have used some more exploration so when he runs to the neighbor this is a just a, this is just a really really classic horror trope so yeah. uh, before anyone says anything like how would you know you don't even like horror it doesn't mean i don't know about it <laughs> so <laughs> doesn't doesn't mean i don't know about it i my absolute favorite thing to do is to read Wikipedia summaries of horror films, and then um, and then think about what I've read mm. for, <laughs> for for several nights on end. Um, I think I've recommended this show on on mic before, but if you've never listened to Too Scary Didn't Watch, this is a, it's a it's really really good. <laughs> it's Too Scary Didn't Watch, um, and I've unfortunately had to stop listening to it because I started to find that too scary as well. But if you if you are like me and you like to know what's happened what's what happens in a horror film but you can't stand to watch them, then I really do recommend this podcast because the the girls who run it are um are delightful, I think. Anyway, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a tangent. But yeah, this um the it, it, I say it's a classic horror trope. I think it probably doesn't get used anymore because it's so it's so played which is where the main character thinks they have found their salvation and then there's the rug pull and the horrible heart sinking moment when you realize that they're not their salvation after all so again like i think like probably in in yet elevated horrors i think they probably wouldn't have something like that so he cut so he finds his neighbor and she doesn't turn on him not strictly she she takes him in and because she's known him since he was a kid, she takes him in and then she hears on the radio that he is wanted. And because he has just shown up at her house huffing and puffing and saying, there are people here, here they're, they're trying to kill me. There are people, there are people here. Um, mm. I'm, you know, I can't, I can't be in my house. He doesn't say I have been wrongly identified as the perpetrator of this bombing. He mm. just says there are people who are after me. So I'm not sure that you are a hundred percent meant to blame yeah. her for well, turning I, on him. Because I was also just like at that point, because I'm expecting this twist. I'm like, so I'm actually thinking that okay, has this sort of been a bit of a ruse? Like, does he know something? Did he actually like? And I knew it didn't make any sense, even if it was the case. But I was like, well, why is he not sort of saying this very obvious thing to like the first person who's like not trying to kill him, which is people are trying to kill me because they think I'm like a terrorist and I'm not. Yeah. Um, and you've, and why you've not, known. Why not just say right. that? And this woman, because like, cause she does mention when like, she kind of turns on him in this very weird way, but like, yeah, you've known me since I was a child. You've known my parents, right? Mm. Like I can trust you enough for you to believe that like, I am not someone who would carry this out. And I yeah. wasn't sure whether that was sort of commentary along the lines of like, oh, even the people that like, even, even the sort of like 
people that you trust that you know uh that aren't kind of from your community or from your background even they can turn on you because you know deeply inside you know they'll sort of turn on you primarily because of what they kind of believe and read and like if they want to if they want to if they want to advance that then they can but it felt like that needed a lot more elaboration and so it it feels like this turn on him it just kind of comes out of nowhere yeah i mean like it's like it sort of does and it sort of doesn't i think um i i like i wondered whether they were so keen to have this rug pull he thinks he's he thinks he's safe and then it turns out that he's not after all um because it's not that it turns out that the neighbor's been uh, been a racist all along that's not that's not it 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 sort of seems to be more a uh, but but i've known him since he was a child and i never had any idea mm. which is also something when, whenever something really horrible happens there is this um quite odd instinct to sort of interview the neighbours and see what they had to say about the person. Um, like particularly like particularly with serial killers. That seems to be like a big thing that you kind of mm. that you um that you interview the neighbours. And they always say, oh well he's quiet, kept himself to himself. Um as like as as opposed to like what else were they what else were they going to say? It's sort of not not a hundred percent clear there. So what I think is a weird decision. And it was one of these decisions where you could sort of feel the self-congratulation running through it a little bit, <laughs> which is that she turns out to have been from Belfast. Mm. And she says, I didn't come here to have to confront all this again. And that I think is a very is a is a strange is a strange decision. Mm. Because why not just have her be a uh, an elderly lady living on her own who believes what the radio tells her and if the radio tells her that a young man who she has known since childhood turns out to have done this terrible horrible thing then she would Im- immediately believe it because she's she's sort of paranoid and isolated and and also you you don't know your na- not know your neighbors and, and, and like like that sort of thing because until quite recently being northern irish certainly in certainly in UK culture and UK media was shorthand for being a terrorist mm. like if you watch if you watch like episodes of like the bill from the 90s take that off on your how old is phoebe <laughs> bingo card um if you watch like old episodes of that kind of thing there will absolutely basically 100% of the time be an irish bomb maker or an IRA terrorist. It were um, it was this was a kind of, this was a known embedded sort of cultural trope and fear and panic around the idea of around the idea of IRA terrorists. Um, less um, less unionist terrorists. That didn't seem to be that didn't seem mm. to take hold of the public imagination here quite so much. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> guess we guess I guess I guess we will simply mi- never yeah. know. One of, those <laughs> one, of those, of one of those insoluble insoluble mysteries that we will simply never find the answer <laughs> to. So it's mm. also a little bit of an odd decision, I think, to give the two vigilantes who don't get given names. Mm. Um they both have very, very specifically working class coded accents. So one of them is Scouse 
and one of yeah. them is Cockney. And maybe that's just a coincidence of casting. I did, yeah, I mean, but, I don't think so. I think it's very, I mean, I think it's like sort of a very deliberate sort of. I think you're supposed to bristle at it. I think you're supposed mm. to think, oh, well, of course, of course, these, you know, these two these two loathes, these two kind of loathsome members of the of the kind of the working class mob. Of course, they're gonna they're gonna go go around harassing this innocent this innocent bloke and trying to kill him because you know that's you know that's what that's what they'll do. There are no middle class racists, as you know. Mm. I think I um, wondered whether I wondered how much of it was like this. You know, again, it goes back to the idea that like you know uh, you're in order for something really bad to happen, you just need one person to like be willing yeah. to sort of take it all the way, but in their minds, the people who are willing to kind of do that are are the scousers. You know, are the scousers and the uh, and although I I was looking through some of the frames of this film and the the, con- the countryside where he lives, it's near York. It's like Y thirty, which is a I don't think it's a real postcode, but it is within the sort of like North Yorkshire area. Oh. Um so. In this How time between when he was identified, seemingly if someone had a Cockney accent, they went, they came from, they drove quite far to like, they drove quite far <laughs> in quite a short amount of time to go get him. So, um, I don't know, take, take, take that, take that however you want, but, um, you know, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm not one to sort of Billy, you know, kind of, uh, think it sort of falls down on like geographical inconsistencies, but. In this particular instance, I did find that quite funny. I mean, you're not saying you got to hand it to them, but that is quite a long drive. You put a lot, like, a lot of effort into it. He's put you know? a lot of effort into it. Well, I, Liverpool, yeah. Liverpool to York is a long is a long drive. It is a long drive, actually. Yeah, maybe, these maybe they they're really, just yeah. maybe they're just the local. Maybe they're just like the nearest members of this cell, <laughs> this like far right cell, who were who were available, and they had to kind of put like send around a little WhatsApp like. Anyone mm. avail- available tonight for um for a little murder? Speaking um, sp- speaking of the vigilantes, because I'm conscious of time, but also I'm conscious that we didn't get to actually like describing what the ending of this film is. Mm. Um, which is to say that after he kills like two, well, after like he kills one of these vigilantes in the house fight, and then in the other instance where the other vigilante kind of like is about to kill him and then falls through the treehouse and dies. Mm-hmm. Um, he then sort of like gets back in the car, very like battle bloodied and bruised, and he sort of drives back to presumably he drives back to um London or something. Then you have this sort of then <clears throat> you have this sort of like uh requiem scene at the end where you know people who like locked their accounts uh in the wake of like Harry Bevsar being identified unlock their accounts. There is a scene of a journalist who like is writing an article called is harry buffs of a london bomber he deletes it or she deletes it um and as the forensic teams are sort of going through the houses looking at sort of the damage of what's happened in the night uh a tv reporter like uh is doing an interview of harry and his family where he's just she where so so at this point it's like well it's very clearly the the um the actual attacker who is i don't think he's ever his picture's ever shown <coughs> but his name is like peter north i think um, so what you have is like, Peter North, is he, I think, I think what he, ta- he has an English, like he, ha- he has like he, a non, yeah, he ha- yeah, 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 he, yeah, I yeah, think his yeah, name, I think, never- I, I think the name they give him is Peter North, but I know the first name is Peter at least. Um, so Peter is identified as being the bomber, um, and is sort of shown, you know, the, the media seems to kind of like be giving him that sort of sympathetic, oh, you know, neighbors thought he wouldn't do anything like the stuff that you've talked about earlier. 
Um, and the film sort of ends on this kind of interview scene where the interviewee is like, how, you know, how is this sort of like, you know, what's your life like now? And so even though Hari sort of is back with his family and seemingly still with his girlfriend, like there's a scene where it's like, you know, he is sort of forever broken by what has happened to him, which is fair enough considering like, you know, it was a pretty, pretty shit time, like to say yeah. the least. Um, well, I think there's I was quite, curious. There's, yeah. quite a, there's quite a fun, clumsy bit there. And I, again, I get what they're trying to say with it, but mm. you could feel the self-congratulation a little bit where they show the distinction between how they talk about the guy who actually is the bomber, mm. um, who's, le- who's left behind this, who's left behind this manifesto. Um, saying that he's going to cleanse the UK of its sins. And they say, so we talk to the people in his life who say what a lovely, quiet bloke he was. Um, and we ask what um, what failures uh, in in mental health services could possibly have led to him doing such a doing such a terrible thing. And it is a ve- and I understand why they've done it. It's supposed to be a contrast with how they how they immediately talk about Harry, but I think it's mm. a little bit clumsily done. What I think is interesting about the about the interview, because then they show him at the end visibly twitching whenever his phone vibrates. And I thought that was really good because mm. it shows it shows the itch because it shows the the traumatic physical effects. And he's sort of sitting between his, between his parents and he's sort of he's sort of semi-catatonic and he can't he can't really he can't look the interviewer in the eye and etc it shows it it shows uh the girlfriend unlocking her account and uh, and the girl who accused him in the first place locking the account but what i was puzzled by mm. first of all it's not clear where he got the hammer from unless he's supposed to have got the hammer off this bloke mm. that he kills the first attacker with also when she um, when she sells him out to the attackers and says, "Oh, he's in there, he's in there," and then when they start like attacking mm. him, she's like, "Oh no, but don't hurt him." It's like, what do you think they were going to do? Like sit him down, have a little cup of tea, and say, "Don't do that again." Like what? What did you imagine was going to happen? But he, but he is again. They keep stressing that he is a normal bloke, and mm. the strong suggestion is is that the vigilantes have done this before. That they are they are ready. They are ready to go. They have got weapons they've got training you know that they're like they're 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 running an operation here so the question is a how's he getting the hammer off him and also Mm. i think that i think that was a bit it that's what i mean about like when it just turns into a kind of more standard sort of home invasion nightmare horror is yeah is it is it just gets like a it's actually it's actually loads less scary and loads less tense than when he's than when he's kind of in the house and they're and they're outside, and he 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 does this bloke in without thinking, mm. without compunction, and yeah. I and I don't think that's especially plausible because this does tend to be the difference between people surviving this kind of situation and, and not surviving it is that your average person will hesitate before. Yeah really hurting another person like that this is it does it, yeah there's like a there's a different there's a difference between someone who can kill and who and who can't and mm. um and the instinct not to harm another person is an instinct which has to be unlearned and overridden and it just 
it doesn't chime with what we know about this character so far that he would be able to do that quite so quickly. It makes much more sense that after the other one, after the other attacker, who, by the way, who has beaten him so severely that he's kind of, you know, he's sort of got like his face kind of caving in. Why is he not unconscious? How is he like even able to like drive a car? Like what? (laughs) Like how has he not been just Mm. completely, completely cleaned out by, by what, Mm. by what's happened? It makes more sense that after this, the other guy gets impaled, that he leaves him to die. But again, mm. when he takes the mask off and you see it's just an ordinary guy and he says, I don't, I don't want to die. I don't, I don't want to die. Please help me. Mm. And Harry doesn't and he walks away, which fine, fair enough. But are you maybe meant to think, see, see, everyone can be guilty of a lack of humanity and a lack of compassion given the opportunity. It's not just these monsters who've shown up at this guy's house Mm. trying to kill him with hammers. Like it's, it's him too. Is he maybe just as bad as them? Maybe we should all just be nice to each other. That sort of seemed to be. This is what what I was curious about. why, why Why humanize him like this? I don't know. This is what I was curious about because in that scene where the killer after after like it is it is this very clumsily written scene, I think, where like the guy mm. is about to sort of murder and be like, you know, very much that whole like, you know, say your last words because the VO, this is it. Only to fall through the treehouse. And then when Harry comes down, is you know, the guy like suddenly becomes very meek and is like, Oh, I don't actually want to die, mate. Um it's a really clumsily written scene. And I was like trying yeah. to be like, okay, well, what like what? What's what's actually trying to be said? Like what's trying to be said here? Is it the idea that like everyone like has a humanity and like you know some people are afforded it and others don't? Is it the case that like this night has turned Harry into like you know a killer? And so as he's trying to sort of like you know so as this whole story has been him trying to like insist and you know run away from people who think that he is a killer. Um, over the course of one night, he becomes the very thing that he's yeah. like sort of running away from. That would yeah. have been an interesting, that would have been quite an interesting line if it was sort of followed through. But the the issue then is like after this whole ordeal, um, there is no kind of like, you know, there is no real, there doesn't feel like there's any sort of real, I mean, there is in the sense for like Harry becomes like a lot more afraid of like, you know, as you mentioned, a lot more afraid of his phone uh, or like the phone vibrations and clearly like is sort of scarred by what happened. But like my thinking would be, and I, and I, and I say this only from a point of like being, I was, you know, I, I say this only as kind of a point of curiosity. If I had killed someone, I feel like that would have changed me quite a lot. Yeah. You know, maybe you're more kind of, you know, flinching at the sight of blood than you'd be flinching at your phone. Vibrating. I, I, yeah. Maybe. I feel, I, I feel like that, maybe. I feel like that would probably, I feel like putting a knife or a hammer through like someone's flesh. Would probably impact me a lot more than a phone vibration. Yeah, but- I mean, like, because if the point they were trying to make is by showing his face and by showing him begging for his life, that they're saying, look, even though he's done some appalling things, he is also still a person and he should still be allowed his humanity, even though, even as he is trying to deny Harry his mm. humanity. Um, and but the but this hor- this horrible position that he's been put in has made Harry a little bit less human than he was, and that is how he can walk away from a dying man. Like the Harry of that morning would never have walked away from a dying man, like regardless of what had happened. Maybe that's sort of what they're trying to say. But then you can't have that as the last scene. That's got to be that's got to be more kind of in the middle of the film, really. If mm. that's the if that's the point you're trying to make. And also, and I know that this is 
perhaps being a little bit nitpicky, but I am absolutely sure that you are not allowed to kill people with hammers or impale them on a treehouse. Like, Mm. even even if you manage to successfully claim self-defense, and I suspect that with something as like violent as hitting someone over the head with a hammer until until they die. Um, there's there's no, there's no proof that they're there to kill him. After mm. all, there's the only proof is on this presumably anonymized forum, which Harry knows nothing about. Mm. I mean, it, like it, it's a little bit neat that they immediately go, "Oh, I bet he's gone to his family," um, because you'd think they'd try a few other avenues. Before mm. you'd say, "Oh well, he's gone from London. He's gone from London to York." Mm. Uh, but as far as the police are concerned, presumably these two are burglars. They're trying to break mm. into the house to steal something. There's no evidence or proof that they are there. That they have tracked him down there, and they are there to kill him. And that when Harry is attacked, he is defending himself. Because even if you kill someone else while defending yourself you are still criminally liable for, mm. for for killing for killing someone you're not allowed to just say oh yeah but you know he started it like that just mm. it just knocks time off your like off your sentence it's like it's taken into it's taken into account look if we've got any if we've got any criminal barristers listening <laughs> um who can who can discuss this point with me i genuinely would like to know the answer because i am almost positive that that regardless regardless of the situation you are not allowed to kill someone yeah i am i well you know until uh uh yeah the, the like woke, woke society won't let you do that at woke least society right now. simply will it not won't. let you kill people it won't let but you yeah, kill anyone but yeah 10 people are supposed to have been killed in this bombing and then by the end of the film he's you know he's dispatched a fifth of that in just one night <laughs> So who knows what he would have been up to if 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 allowed to stay on the streets? You don't. Yeah. Know. On that note, we should probably end it. We are running out of time. So oh, uh, yeah. yeah, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, you can watch Accused on Netflix if you have a Netflix account. Uh, it is one of their main films. Is Search Accused. Um, thank you for listening to this free episode. We really appreciate that. Uh, as mentioned at the top, we have a Patreon. Five bucks a month that supports our show, helps us run this without ads, helps us to stay editorially independent. And also there are lots of really good film reviews on there and TV show reviews and stuff that we've done over the past few years. So go check that out. Um, I don't have any plugs. Uh, Phoebe, do you have any? Uh, you can subscribe to my Substack. I haven't done a post this week. I've just um, posted some links uh, to places that are uh that are sending urgent uh, urgent medical help to gaza and i also posted a mm. um an extract of an email that i sent to my mp about it um but i'll be back to normal normal posting next week yeah go do that we'll also put the links we'll also put those links in our show notes as yep. well for donations um yeah like do 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 uh do write to your mp as well if you can do that it's very very important and if you're if you're able to if you're able to get to a demo there yes are yeah and if you are able to get to demos go do that um hope you hope you are there on the saturday one if you're listening now um and uh yeah this show is produced by devon follow them at devon underscore on earth listen to kill james bond if you don't already until next time we'll catch you later bye bye